Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 15:14 that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lincoln Liu, your other host. Be sure to check out other resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 1514. It's a delight to have you as part of our audience. I really want to encourage you to share the word of the Biblical Counseling Coalition and 1514 with your friends. Tell people what you find valuable from our ministry and encourage them to check it out for themselves. Today's episode is an interview that I did Jason Kovacs. Jason is a member of the BCC Council. He's also executive director of the Gospel Care Collective, and he wears a lot of other hats uh, as well and has done a lot of great ministry stuff. And we got to catch up with Jason specifically about Gospel Care Collective and some of the updates and growth they've had in their ministry over the last year. The last time we had him on was over a year ago, and a lot has happened since then, and Gospel Care Collective has been growing. It was encouraging to see what God is doing in and through them, and I hope that you are encouraged by it as well. Thanks for listening. This season of 1514 is brought to you in part by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Boyce College. A lifetime of faithfulness in counseling, preaching, teaching, and discipling begins with an education that is trusted for truth. Southern Seminary and Boyce College offer undergraduate, master's level, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling that you can trust to be scripturally grounded and life-transforming. The aim of our program at Boyce College is to prepare graduates to serve in counseling ministries and to position them for graduate-level training in biblical counseling. If your next step in counseling is earning a master's or doctoral degree, Southern Seminary equips our graduates fully online or on campus to counsel God's Word faithfully and skillfully in both individuals and families. To learn more about an undergraduate biblical counseling degree, go to boycecollege.com slash 1514. That's boycecollege.com slash 1514. For more information about graduate-level credentials, the web address is sbts.edu slash 1514. You will also find direct links to these degree programs in the show notes of today's 1514 episode. Thanks so much for listening. Well, Jason, thanks so much for being back with us on 1514. Uh, for those who don't know you or haven't heard the podcast we did before, why don't you give your give our audience a brief introduction to yourself and to your family? Sure. Yeah, I am a Canadian, and uh, but I've lived in the States for gosh, now 20 plus years, currently live in Southern California, but have been all over the place in all kinds of ministry roles, served as a pastor for many years, church planter, uh, ran a couple nonprofits, and uh, now run a, a ministry called the Gospel Care Collective. And uh, my, I've got a wife, we've been married 20 years, and we've got five kids, all teenagers, Wow. Yeah, that's a, that is a lot <laughs> going on. Jenny and I right there with you on the 20 years, but we only have two kids and we, we started late. So we've got uh, one teenager and one 10 year old. So we are, yeah. we, we'll, we'll call you up when we get two in the house. So. <laughs> oh man, We're, the Lord continually uh, uses our experience as parents to humble us mm. and show us our need for grace our need for, for him and, um, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's challenging. It's really challenging right now in this, in this current cultural moment to raise teenagers. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm in the, we're in the midst of it, but man, I have a whole, uh, a whole lot of compassion for, for my fellow parents of, of teens and, and admiration for those who have made it through yeah. uh, these years. Yeah, I just did an, uh, an interview yesterday. We were talking beforehand. I, I was talking with Ellen, Ellen Dykus, and we were both saying, man, being a teenager in this culture and this time would be so hard. But yeah, the parenting teens is, is it's difficult. Uh, it's always been difficult. But man, yeah. the culture we're in right now has some unique challenges. And I know having been in Southern California, they are amplified there a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah you know, I mean, interestingly, we live in uh, a very uh, red part of California. Uh, we actually joke we lived in Austin, Texas for ten years. Oh, yep. And uh, we said we, where we lived in Austin, we lived right in the city, and we felt like we lived in the California of Texas. Yeah, you know, it was very progressive. And now we tell people we feel like we live in the Texas of California. <laughs> no, well, scary. it's true. I mean, we were in a we were in a pretty conservative pocket up where we were in the Central Coast, uh, parts of it. But man, yeah, like it, it's it's its own it's its own thing for sure. Uh, yeah, because you guys yeah. are in Temecula, so right right outside Camp Pendleton and that that yeah. very military uh, community there tends to be a little bit more conservative. So yeah, yeah. In fact, our our school board has been in the. Uh, state and nationally national news for some of the decisions they're making to, you know, to um, protect kids from gender ideology and mm. and some of those things that are in the school. So it's it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I I think you know being a teenager right now and, and you know again I, I'm in the midst of it, so I, I'm pretty biased, right? Like, yeah. But I I do. I, think that, and someone could prove me wrong, but I, I think that this might be the hardest time in the history of the world to be a teenager mm. and therefore also to be a parent, just in terms of the forces, uh, worldly, worldly kind of lies and holes that, that, uh, that exist today that have never, I mean, have been there, right. But yeah. not to this extent and not, uh, with this sort of uh, level of intensity, and and we're not to, you know coming through the pandemic, you've got all sorts of things there. So we're talking racial issues, gender issues, political issues. Uh, you know, those are just a few that our teenagers are having to navigate right now in ways that I, you know, I look back on my life and I think I, I didn't have to yeah. deal with that in anywhere, you know, in any way close to, to what we're having to deal with it now. So some days I'm thankful that I was born in 1977. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was it's, in high school when I was in high school. It's uh, wild for man. my kids. It's wild. Cause uh, and I'll say one more thing. Maybe we can talk some more. I, I love this because this is why I love the the biblical counseling coalition and the job I get to do is it's about relationships. And so we're talking about the plan is to talk about something completely different, but I'm just enjoying the conversation. So we're going to run with it a little bit, but we were talking uh, with some friends and talking about phones and whether or not teens should have phones and all this stuff. And I'm, 
I think we need to teach our our kids how to handle technology well, and technology is not the devil. But one point that this mom made is like, you know, back when before everybody had a cell phone, if there was a bully at school or a problem at school or difficulty at school, you left school and you went home. And you left that problem mm-hmm. there for lar- largely, I mean, obviously in your heart and those things are still going to be going, but these the kids that are on their phones constantly, the bullies are, and the conflict and the drama follows them 24 seven, unless their yeah. phones are down. Yeah. So you have that, the increased problems that you're talking about, the, the volume being turned up on those problems and no like in a constant, the constancy of those problems being in their yeah. face for so many. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a good, good word to pray for our kids and pray for parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I and mean, we don't really know the, you know, the, the, the effect that like you're saying, social media and phones have on us mm-hmm. and are having on our kids. You know, this is really one of the first generations that have grown up so immersed in social media and so the research and data on how does that affect our brains? How does that affect our behaviors? How does it affect how we see our, our identity and all of that? It's just, it's, it's so, it's so new. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of challenges that, uh, that we're facing. I mean, we are seeing research that it's, it's not good. It's bad. You know, yeah, it's bad. Right. <laughs> well, there, yeah, the research we are seeing is, Oh wait, gosh, okay. Yeah, the longitudinal stuff can't exist yet because it hasn't had yeah. time to exist. So yeah, it'll be it'll yeah. be fascinating. It'll be interesting. Well, audience, you got a chance to just sit back and listen. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to have Jason on because I really respect his his thinking and, and just him as a person in his ministry. But I wanted to catch everybody up because last time we were talking, you were just getting Gospel Care Collective up and running. And, uh, and it's grown quite a bit and you guys are doing some great stuff. So I wanted to share with our audience about it, uh, both so they can tap into the resources if they need it, uh, but also maybe uh, some recruitment opportunities because you have job openings and are, are co- uh, collecting counselors. So, so let's dive in. Uh, give us a brief summary of, of Gospel Care Collective, and then I want to just dive into the different aspects of the ministry. Yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, yeah, I think it was, we were talking, it was probably four or five years ago that we talked last maybe four years. And that was, uh, we were about a year into uh, the God establishing the ministry. Um, and uh, I had come out of uh, uh, working in the church. I was a pastor of care and counseling at a church. And so we started Gospel Care Collective to continue to serve uh, families, individuals, uh, leaders with good biblical counseling uh, training uh, certification and consulting. So those are the three things that uh, that we do. Uh, I, I, we like to say we're joining. We like to see ourselves as joining Jesus in the ministry He's doing in caring for individuals and families and churches through counseling, certification, and consulting. Yeah, and those are and you. Each one of those has a breakdown of of more depth and, and detail and people can you can find out more uh at the website what's the website people can go and find out more uh, gospelcarecollective.org all right and so counseling wise obviously uh a lot of our audience are biblical counselors so they're familiar with um 
in-person counseling or online counseling, but you have a few different uh, services that are available. Tell, tell our tell our audience about one, the biblical counseling intensive. I want to hear more about people to hear more about those and what you guys are doing with those. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do individual counseling. That's most, a lot of what we're doing. We have a team of uh, eight, nine counselors that are doing, we have clients all over the States, all over Canada, the world, a lot of missionaries and folks that don't have access to good counseling. So we're doing a lot of that individual you know, weekly, hourly sort of counseling. Um, but we also do, as you mentioned, uh, biblical counseling intensive. Uh, we do a five-day intensive. Mm. Uh, I've been doing, we've been doing more of those. And part of that is uh, because of how effective it is. Uh, I used to do weekend intensives, like three days, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, but those almost... <laughs> Those felt too intense. Um, you know, it was in the, you know, it's called an intensive, but it was, it was, really was so intensive and, um, and there was n- not much space. So we shifted uh, a couple of years ago, a year and a half or two ago to doing five day intensives, um, which gives us a lot more space. So we do the same amount of counseling of 15 hours of counseling do three hours of counseling each day, but you have the afternoon and the evening to do homework, further processing, and then some downtime to just Mm. go for a hike, go to the beach, go out to eat, nap, whatever, whatever you can't do (laughs) maybe normally at home. Uh, But I, I, I really found that that space has been, a uh, really a key component to the intensive process where, you know, individual counseling, God uses that like weekly counseling, hourly counseling. But one of the challenges that we find in counseling and just san- and ministry and sanctification and, and change is uh, biz- the busyness of life, the, um, the, 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 the moments we step into processing kind of what's going on and, and allowing the gospel to get into the, the those places in our hearts, but then we, you know, the hour ends, or we've got to move on to the next thing, and and you know, and then we maybe revisit it the next week. Well, we got to play kind of catch up, and mm-hmm. what an intensive does is it just gives us a lot of space and time to slow down enough to sit with the Lord, His Word, uh, our own hearts one another if it's a couple and, and, and to kind of get uncomfortable uh, enough to, uh, to begin to get honest and, and do the hard work that, that we, we do in counseling. Uh, again, it's not a lot that's different than from what we do weekly, but it just, it's more space. And, and I see God do so much in those, in those weeks. Uh, it's almost comparable. I, I would say to, sometimes a year's worth of weekly or bi-weekly counseling, mm. just having that week away from your normal, regular distractions and routines. There's something biblical about retreat, getting away. Um, and, and I, I, yeah, so we, I, we find it to be a real powerful way to deal with, uh, with, with you know, the, the issues that we come to counseling for, um, yeah. places where we feel stuck, uh, 
indwelling sin, that which habitual sin that we just cannot break out of uh, those sorts of situations, marriage issues, conflict where, you know, there's been years and years and years of patterns and habits developed. Uh, that's where having that space trauma and, you know, years and years and layers and layers of stuff. That's where having that, again, that time and space I, I find really, really helpful. Do you find that it's more, you mentioned a lot of things there that people come forward. Do you find that people are coming typically with, with more intense issues when they're coming to an intensive because, or are, are people coming with uh, also more run of the mill? I just imagine like a couple who's yeah. struggling with communication, obviously a week away together working on communication would be good, but a lot of, a lot of them are going to get that through their, through their local church in a just kind of more discipleship type of relationship. Uh, intensive in my mind always just stands out as like the big, you know, the hard big problems. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes and no. I mean, yeah, we, we have it. Obviously there's people come because of intensive issues, things that have been revealed, you know, they've done weekly counseling and it's just, they're still stuck. Um, and I, we actually love it when they have a home church that has been working with them and, and they can come even bring somebody with them, an advocate mm-hmm. with them. We don't require that, but we really believe in the in the the primacy of the local church and community, uh, but we I have a lot of people who it's run of the mill stuff. It's it's you know it's lower level, but just having that week and having that time can be so helpful in uh, kind of you know gaining some ground that that, that is hard to do in the week to week. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome. It sounds it sounds refreshing. If <laughs> I mean, obviously, can, the work part would be hard, but yeah, being able to, I, even with the the study I did on my PhD, getting people out of their context to focus on a problem for a week is it is very helpful. Just being able yeah. to not have anything else interrupt that time with the Lord, that thinking, the 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 processing that you're doing, because um, we all know interruption disrupts it is that's why it's called interruption (laughs) is it disrupts and interferes with what's what's been going on in the heart or in the mind so that's awesome you guys also require people to have an aftercare plan as part of the intensive is that something you work on with them there uh do they come with that ahead of time like what tell us more about that yeah we we work with that with with them on that at the intensive just in terms of you know, what God has done in the intensive. And then as we look at going back home, we, we want to really ensure that, you know, we're not just leaving them hanging and, 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 and even communicating, well, Hey, you know, this is your one chance this week. Is it, um, or this is, this should be it. And this should be enough. We really believe again, coming back to our ecclesiology that the, the church uh, is primary and our, our God, the way God's created us and, and um, designed us is to live in community and to be sanctified in community. So I, I try to be really clear in terms of, hey, this week God can, you know, do some significant things. We see significant things happen, but we want to set you up to also have a vision and a plan for regular, uh, regular community involvement and say, you know, 
working through and and continuing to grow uh, in light of this time in in your in your local context in your local church. So we 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 try to build in some follow up, you know, three months, six months, uh, eighteen months. Those are sometimes times where we uh, where where we kind of go back to the old ways. I think the enemy is really smart. He knows like, wow, don't, let's not get you the the week you come back or the month or six. Let's get you at 12 months or 18 mm. months. And, um, and, and again, it kind of goes with our theology of uh, progressive sanctification, that it's lifelong, that life, all of life is repentance. Um, but, you know, there, there can be these moments like a week intensive where, we really give you the tools and the vision to understand that, that repentance really is a gift and it's something you can pursue, you know, not just in an intensive or in counseling, but and it, it ought to be, you know, a part of your everyday life and community experience. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Well, you talked about the the one-on-one counseling, which um, I don't think you said explicitly, but a lot of that's, you said all over the world. So I think it's kind of implicit that that's online, that's virtual counseling. And one thing I wanted to make sure we did is 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 let people know uh, if they are if because you're looking to add counselors to that, correct? Yeah, we, we from time to time we're from adding. Time to- <laughs> we're, we're, we're slowly building our team. Yep. Um, we we uh, we're looking for folks that that kind of fit with our fit with us theologically, philosophically. But yeah, I mean, if if uh, if folks go to our website and they like what they see or uh, I'm always looking to have conversations with those that feel called to this vocationally. Yeah, because I think a lot of our, our, our not a, I don't know about a lot, but some of our audience for sure are those people who are maybe trying to do a private practice or or just whatever they're doing isn't enough to to live off of and being able to do some hours of a virtual care uh, with the ministry like yours would be a great fit. Um, and I appreciate you saying slowly, like that you're adding slowly because that communicates care. You're going to take time to get the right people there. So, but that's awesome. But I did want our audience to know that that yeah. could be a possibility there. So, uh, and then you have a sabbatical and coaching resources, which I think is amazing and awesome. I only heard about this concept uh, like within the last year, I think. And when I heard it, I thought, man, why haven't I heard <laughs> about this before? So tell our audience yeah. what, what that involves. Yeah, you know, that that came about really through um, through pa- God bringing pastors to me over the years. I think partly because, you know, people, guys were looking for a counselor and they knew that that's what I was doing. And they knew I had been a count. I had been a pastor. And I, so I had all these guys starting to come to me, uh, I think, cause they, they felt like I understand their world. And I initially, I was like, well, man, why would you come to me? I I'm, you know, I'm still learning and growing just like you are. And you should probably find somebody that's older and has more gray hair. Uh, and you know, but th- th- there's, there's not many, uh, the guys that fit that uh, description out there, we need more of those. And um, so I just, I found myself counseling a lot of pastors and counseling guys that were going on a sabbatical. And they, I had a few guys ask me, Hey, would you counsel me while I'm on sabbatical? Would you kind of help me kind of through this process? And so I, I had 
gone on a sabbatical a number of years ago and just started kind of pulling some of the resources and uh, things that that helped me in that season and uh, and with these guys kind of walking through through their sabbatical with them and sort of developed a, a framework for walking guys through that. Uh, it's been really, I think, helpful because uh, for a lot of guys with sabbaticals, they, well, one, they need them. So I'm helping churches kind of think through <laughs> sabbatical plans and yep. policies too, right? Like um, there's a lot of misnomers out there. Like, you know, some churches have these policies, some don't. Some are like, well, why would we, why, why should a pastor get one? I don't get one. You know, I'm a you know business person, but you know, I, I, I'm really passionate about helping churches see the value and the need for their pastors having sabbaticals or their leaders, their staff. And, um, and yeah, surprisingly, a lot of churches have not thought about it. They just, they don't have something in place. Uh, but, you know, but when they, yes, when, it, when somebody's thinking about their sabbatical, there's, it, it's kind of a big, big question mark. Well, what is the, what, what's the purpose? What do I do? And uh, so helping them not over plan, but not under plan, but be intentional to really find rest and renewal to reorient their heart around some things uh, and then to re-enter in a healthy way. Um, those are kind of the three broad categories, uh, rest and renewal uh, reorientation and then re-entry that I try to help walk guys through in their sabbatical kind of in phases. Yeah, no, that's, that's really great. Cause, uh, I have not yet had a sabbatical every time I'm due for one, I switch jobs. So, uh, <laughs> which one I'm not planning on switching any jobs anymore. I'm really thankful for the ones I have, but, uh, looking forward to doing that, but I've heard enough testimonies, talked to enough guys and it's, it, I think, yeah, like you said, there's so many misnomers and people think, oh, it's like a big vacation. And, and sometimes there's a writing project or something assigned to it. Other times it is just rest. But even just that rest one, so many pastors and ministry leaders, um, it's disruptive. Like you go from having something occupying your time to just nothing to do. Uh, and and I, I've heard of a church network that, supplied their pastors with another pastor who coached them through it. And I thought, man, that's brilliant. Cause even the one I'll share one story was this guy said, my coach told me the first thing we need to do, cause we already had a, they had a Disney trip planned or something like that. And he said that you're going to do that first. Cause he said, you're going to, this will help alleviate the whiplash that you have. And I want you, when you start thinking you need to be busy or do something that, you see your children first and that you, all your phones are going to be away and you guys are going to have eye contact and you're going to just enjoy that time together. And I thought, man, that's just a very helpful, practical, how do I not freak out <laughs> in the first three weeks of my sabbatical? Cause yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do with myself. So, um, so that's, that's awesome. I will definitely tell it. We, I had some, some colleagues here who are on sabbatical and they were struggling. And I said, man, have you ever heard of a sabbatical coach? And now that I know you guys do that, I will definitely be sending yeah. them your way. It's cool though. I've seen, I've heard of a lot more corporations doing like Michael Hyatt and company, uh, yeah. all of their employees get sabbaticals, you know, it's. Yeah. Oh, it makes so much sense when you, I mean, I, I honestly think, you know, pastors have the hardest job in the world. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'll, yeah. I'll say that sometimes and people will push back, may have even listeners push back on that. But I, the reason I believe that is no other job in the planet is dealing with like souls mm-hmm. and eternal destinies and no other you know, job is, um, is ordainly, you know, um, where are you ordainly called, but also given the kind of authority that you're going to give an account for, like explicitly, like Hebrew says that yeah. the pastors are going to give an account for how they shepherded the souls of, of God's people. So that you like, that's weighty. That's yeah. really weighty. And, uh, but I think there's also, you know, pastors aren't on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I do think with sabbaticals is the unique burdens and, and uh, spiritual, emotional, physical burdens that they carry. Uh, sabbaticals are just, a, can be really, really critical, but they can also be a model for anybody else that works for, for those who are called into what any vocation mm-hmm. to live in such a way where we are, are, are working and we're resting. We're working and we're resting. The kind of the way God has created us and 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 God Himself. I I I can never get away from this. The fact that God Himself on the seventh day it says in Exodus rested and was refreshed. Mm-hmm. So so sabbaticals or Sabbaths or you know resting is not just something we do out of obedience or to follow a rule or you know, whatever other reason it, it, I think is a way that we reflect the character and nature of God. It's part of us being made in the image of God that we are built and created to work and rest, rest and work. Yep. Well, and so, I mean, I, yeah, it can be for everybody. When you look in the old Testament, when the Jews were told to give their fields a rest every seven years like that, you're talking farmers, Right. You're not talking because a lot of times I think people get the, because most jobs that do sabbaticals are very cognitive. They're very intellectual thinking kind of jobs, but the pattern in the old Testament was pretty much everybody (laughs) got a a season off every seven years, you know, obviously there might've been other things going on, but, uh, but yeah, it's incredible. The pastor thing, anytime I get pushed back against that, because I do, I think pastors have the hardest job the three things I go to are one, no other job that I can think of are you disqualified from if your household is in shambles, right? Yeah. So like there's a yeah. high standard there that what you said about giving an account, like God's not going to stand up and ask CPAs to give an account for how they managed. And I love CPAs. I think they're great, but yeah. they're not going to stand there <laughs> and give an account. Right, right. And then when Paul talks about, he lists all these these physical emotional trials that he went through being shipwrecked, being beaten to death, all that stuff. At the end of that, he goes on to say, but above all that, I have on me the daily pressure of the churches, right? He just that spiritual weighty uh, burden of, of caring and, and a good pastor is going to have, it's going to weigh on him because he's really going to care. So, uh, yeah, yeah. no, that's so true. I I think one of the challenges is in our social media saturated culture, we see all these pastors who, you know, making six figures and just (laughs) living large. And, and, and there's this misnomer that, 
oh, pastors have it easy when that's like point whatever of 1% of pastors, 99 point whatever percent of pastors are typically underpaid, overworked, burdened, lonely, you know, lonely, isolated, having to navigate all kinds of things, pressure to be an expert in all these fields and topics and issues. And so, yeah, I just, I, I, now that I'm, God's called me from being a pastor to being a counselor. I, I do feel a little bit more freedom to be bold in, in advocating for pastors. Yep. You know, as a pastor, it's hard to be like, I need a sabbatical. Like sometimes, you know, asking for that can be really hard. So where, where I'm able to advocate for them to their, to the elders, to the church, church individually, church at large. I just, you know, try to, try to speak out on that. Uh, for for all these reasons, yeah. Well, thank that was a that was a good semi rabbit trail too. But the so you <laughs> you have sabbatical counseling. Uh, the other big segment we'll have to go through these a little bit faster. But the equipping, uh, you yeah. offer level one and level two ACBC certification. How do people take advantage of that if they want to get that equipping that training? Yeah. So yeah, we're a training center. We've been a training center for. Um, ABC, the Association of Biblical Counselors. So we help people through level one and level two. Uh, they can go to our website. We have a, a, a tab called equipping and, uh, and and we walk cohorts through that and typically start in September. Uh, so if, if you're listening to this, uh, you can still get in on the September one, or if you're listening to this, the next one will be in January. And then we have an- another one in, in May. So we have these starting points that we bring cohorts through. It's a hybrid of uh, working through the material at your own pace, but also we do live uh, teaching throughout the course. We have six live on through Zoom sessions where we're uh, supplementing the material uh, throughout. Uh, we'll cover stuff like abuse and trauma and um and all the nuances that that come with counseling, uh, and answer be able, we're able to answer questions and provide that support. Yeah, it's super helpful to have have that component, the live, the the synchronous, actually getting together with somebody. Video video training is awesome and great, for, but yeah. that synchronous uh, time where people can actually interact and ask questions that they have. That's, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And if you're looking, if you're interested in getting, uh, more training or certification through ABC, check that out. Uh, and their the website is great. It goes in depth into both level one and level two, what the requirements are, what you'll do, some videos to explain the process. So be sure to check that out if you're interested in that. And then the last, last section is, uh, consulting. What, what kind of consulting do you do and, and offer to individuals or churches or other organizations? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we really want to help churches and organizations have health, healthy cultures of care. Uh, you know, in, in many ways with churches especially, you know, this is why we do certification. And and even with our counseling, we say that primary, the primary place of care uh, in God's God's economy is the church, is the local church. So where we're able to help bolster and supplement and help the church, 
be a place that cares well for people. That, that's what we feel like our mission is. So we come alongside churches in helping them develop a culture of care uh, and then ministries of care. Uh, sometimes we've worked with a number of churches, helping them establish counseling centers, uh, had the, the joy of uh, starting a number of centers and working with a number of churches that have started centers over the years. And, and it doesn't have to look one, one way. It can be unique to your own context. And there's lots of different models and ways to do that. So I think a sweet spot has been coming alongside a church that uh, that's in a space to to most churches, they care, they want to care well, but how do we do that? How do we, how do we not just start a ministry that exists over here, but how do we develop a culture? How do we develop some strategies and then some systems that help us care well? That's been the sweet spot where we've been able to come alongside those, those churches and help them do that. Uh, And then we're helping churches and church leadership teams also um, through consulting around uh, emotional health, mental health, team health, uh, those sorts of things. A lot of churches coming out of uh, uh, COVID and these last few years, you know, that's exposed a lot of things. And so that's been another joy just to be able to sit with some uh, pastoral teams, uh, church teams, elder teams, and kind of help them process things and uh, move towards uh, more stability and health in light of the gospel. Uh, that's, <clears throat> those are all definitely needs that people have. Um, so if you're interested or have questions about that, uh, you can reach out and connect with Jason through Gospel Care Collective. Again, that's gospelcarecollective.org or .com. If you go either way, it'll you'll get yeah. there. Uh, yeah. Jason, if people, um, the, you, it's a non, Gospel Care Collective is a nonprofit Obviously, some yeah. people, some of the things people have to pay for, but that does not yeah. going to cover all the operating costs. If people want to give, how can they give? Yeah, they can. The best way is go to the website. Um, we we have opportunity to give there. They can reach out. Um, yeah, we we would we we use donations to provide scholarships for people that need counseling, uh, that want to get trained, uh, those sorts of things. So yeah. That'd be the way, the best way to do that. Well, that's great. Well, brother, it was a pleasure to talk to you and thanks so much for being with us on the show today. Man, thanks for having me. And thanks for all that you do for uh, biblical counseling. Well, it's, it's my pleasure. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.